You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. All right. You think your job's hard. Try coming up after that. I'm like, geez, I got like snot and tears and man. I got a sense that tonight is going to be, a, for some of you in here, it was going to be a, a line in the, the, the phrase that I felt like the Lord spoke to me was a line in the sand moment, that there are things that you've struggled with, dealt with, and the Lord was going to break some things off and there were going to be lines in the sand that you were going to cross over tonight in the spirit. And even in some strongholds of the mind, you were going to cross over some lines never to return. If that's you, you say, you know, there's some things I want to move over that line and never go back. If that's you... Jeez, there's a lot of lines being drawn in the sand. Let's just pray for that. Just raise your hands back up, Lord, right now. We just declare hands going up is an act of faith. An act of faith. You reward faith. Faith that can move mountains. Just the smallest amount of faith can move mountains. And I just declare that these hands that are lifted, Lord, just declaring I'm not going back. Lord, it's moving that mountain out of their life right now in Jesus' name. It's moving that mountain right now. And they're stepping into a new place, a new place of victory, a new place of understanding, a new place of revelation, a new place of wholeness, a new place of healing that they've never been. I feel addiction just coming off right now in Jesus' name. I feel generational strongholds breaking off of minds right now in Jesus' name. The lies that have been believed for far too long are falling down right now in Jesus' name. And we just declare by faith, Lord, we're not going back. We're not said out loud, we're not going back. Not going back, Lord. I thank you for forward motion from this day on in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 18. I don't have a ton of time to, um, to unpack this, and so I'm going to have to skip a few things that I, I talked about this morning in, in Lubbock. And um, guys, I don't know if you guys have heard, but God's moving in Lubbock too. So it's crazy what's happening here, and uh, you guys are a big part of that. Um, I want you to take just a minute, it's a little bit of an exercise, and just, uh, I want you to imagine the most important conversation you've ever had in your life, like actual conversation. Where were you when you had the most important conversation you've ever had in your life? I, um, obviously, I've had more time to think about this than you have and so it was very easy, however, for me to, to come up with that. I remember the most important conversation I think I've ever had in my life. Um, I was in college, my sophomore year in college, and Leanne and I had been dating for, um, I guess at this point, just a little, right at a year. And uh, I, was, I was going to school, I was going to college, here at Midland College, actually, and I was living at home. My parents had just moved here. They had an extra room, so I was actually still living at home, going to school, and uh, I don't even remember what, we had some kind of dinner or something that night, and so I'd gone to my side of the house to, uh, to take a shower and, um, and get ready for dinner, and all of a sudden, my mom opens up the door into, my sh- into the shower, not the actual shower, I mean, it wasn't that weird, I mean, we, she, <laughs> she opens up the door to the bathroom, she goes, hey, and you know, like when you're in the bathroom and your, your personal space, is that's your space. And someone says, hey, when you're in your shower, you just freak out, especially if it's your mom. I mean, like, 
And so I was like, uh, what are you doing? And she goes, I need to talk to you. And I was like, no, you don't. You need to get out of here is what you need to do. Like, what are you doing? And she goes, no, I need to talk to you right now. And she said, why have you not asked Leanne to marry you? And I was like, this is literally none of your business. Like, I don't know if anything's more none of your business than this one thing at this moment, and you're still in my bathroom, you know. And so uh, she goes, no, I'm serious. I, I want you to tell me right now, why have you not asked Leanne to marry you? You said you're, you think you're, you're supposed to marry her, right? And I was like, well, yeah, but I'm in college. I have no money. I haven't, we're, we're going to get married eventually. And she said, well, why haven't you already asked her at least? And I said, mom, I don't have any money for uh, a wedding ring. And she goes, so you're telling me if you had the money to buy it, you'd, it, you'd get that wedding ring right now and you'd ask her to marry. And, she's like, and I was like, yeah, probably. And she goes, okay, fine. I'm going to give you the money. And I said, I'm not taking your money. I'm going to buy it myself. She goes, oh, no, you're going to pay me back. She goes, but if that's the only thing holding you back. I'm, and so literally, I, I finished my, I said, get out of here, first of all. And so I, I, finished the, I finished my shower and I got out. And literally, that, within a few minutes, she wrote me a blank check. And she goes, here's what it is. Here's, we'll get whatever it is that you want. And then whenever you can, just, just pay me back. And um, and, and just, you're going to have to forgive me. I don't mean for this to get too heavy, but um, my wife always wanted a, a Christmas wedding. It was always kind of her desire. And this was, in, her birthday was coming up in February. I actually went and got the ring and proposed to her that February. And because I proposed to her that February, we could plan the wedding that very next December. And because she wanted a, a Christmas wedding. <clears throat> and some of you know this. And again, I'm, I really don't mean to be heavy, but uh, three weeks after our uh, wedding her entire family died in a plane crash and what a lot of people didn't know about that moment was that there was an extra seat on the airplane and the only reason she wasn't on that airplane is because I asked her to marry me that year and I um I've thought about that countless countless times over and over again of like oh my gosh this my how different would my life have been had my mom not had a word from the Lord the courage to bust up in my bathroom and say, you need to ask her to marry you right now. And um, I'll, I'll never forget that. It, it, it marked, marked my life it, in multiple, many ways, of course. Obviously, I'm, I'm thankful for my wife. And, but just also, just sometimes the urgency of a, of a word from the Lord and obedience and responding to things like that. And, but as significant as that was, I can think of other scenarios where God has spoken. Uh, and I remember where, the, where I was when those conversations happened. Uh, in my life, my personal life, but <clears throat> I propose to you tonight that the most significant conversations you've ever had in your life never happened out here. They happen right here. And I want to talk to you not tonight um, around the idea of the voices in your head. The voices in your head. Uh, we all need to admit we're all a little crazy because we all have voices in our head. <laughs> They're in there whether you like to admit it or not. The problem is is sometimes, one, we don't know who it is, and two, we don't know what to do when the wrong person's got the microphone. And so I want to talk to you about that for just a minute. If you've got your Bibles, again, Genesis chapter 18. Uh, I'll steal this one from Banning. If you don't have your Bible, sit next to a Christian and read theirs. <laughs> I like that. That was a pretty good one. I, I like that one. In Genesis chapter 18, it says, Then the Lord appeared to him, him being Abraham, by the terror of the trees at Mamre. He was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. He bowed himself to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. 
Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you've said. Verse 6, so Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a tender good calf and gave it to the young man, or a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and he set it before them and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? He said, she's here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. Just think about that for a second. She laughed within herself. Saying, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, also being old? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, surely, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. Now, first of all, imagine being the person that the Lord called you out for just what you were thinking. But then try to imagine that you tried to deny it. It's like he literally just called out exactly what you were thinking. Like, I didn't do it. No, nope, it must have been the wrong thought. You were listening to somebody else's thoughts. It's probably, like, probably this guy, you know. And the Lord said to her, no, you laughed. Oh, you did it. Turn to your neighbor and said, no, you did. <clears throat> we'll stop right there, and I just want to point out a couple of quick things. First of all, I think it's interesting that the Lord showed up the way that he did, and Abraham recognized him. Just a small little nugget, but I just think we all have to give the Lord permission to show up in our lives however he wants to. And we need, be, we need to be able to recognize when he shows up in a way that we didn't expect him to show up. And if you look at this story, I find it interesting that all of a sudden he's sitting there and three men show up and immediately he knew those three men equals the Lord. And he responded as such. And I think it's very important in all of our lives that we give the Lord permission to show up in ways that are quote unquote mysterious. The Bible says the Lord works in mysterious ways. Uh, a lot of people catch flack for believing in the supernatural. I'd be more concerned about my life if I did not believe in the supernatural. If I did not believe that God can speak through whatever. You know he spoke through an ass one time, right? Yeah. Some of you are looking at your husbands going, I know. <laughs> I forgot we were recording this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thought I could get away with that. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. Um, I also think it's funny that the Lord showed up to a place that he knew he'd get a steak out of the deal. Am I right? Now, for all you vegetarians, vegans, whatever else the new names are, plant-based, I'm not saying the Lord won't show up to your house. I'm just saying he showed up to this one because he knew there was a ribeye. So I just put that out there on Front Street. Um, this is a very interesting story, and I, it took me some time to kind of process what I was reading what I, in the timeline. And I'll, just, I'll, I'll give you a few things because the Lord shows up to talk to Abraham. Well, you, he, he's talking to Abraham, but I propose he wasn't there to talk to Abraham. He was there to talk to Sarah. If you go back and read in Genesis chapter 15, Genesis 15 is actually where the Lord showed up to Abraham, and he said, look, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And Abraham had a very similar response that Sarah just had. Abraham responds like, oh, 
you're, you're crazy. We, we can't have kids. And so he dealt with some things in Abraham's heart. He showed up another time to confirm this to Abraham. I think it's interesting. It makes me even wonder, did Abraham ever even have the courage to share with Sarah what the Lord had shared with him? Because Genesis 15 is when the Lord spoke to Abraham and said, you're going to have a son of your own. It's Genesis 18 where we're reading now. But between Genesis 15 and Genesis 18 is the story of Hagar and Ishmael where Sarah says to Abraham, like, hey, I can't have kids, and so why don't you just sleep with Hagar? That way you can have a son. You know, you'd have, think, you'd have thought that would have been a good time to tell your wife, hey, I, I feel like I need to tell you something. The Lord said we're going to have a kid. We're, gonna, we're actually going to have a child of our own. Can you imagine the conversation after the fact? After they did get pregnant, and Abraham's like, yeah, I've known this for a little bit longer than you have. And she's like, when, Abraham? Anyway, God shows up to this tent, and I propose he wasn't there to talk to Abraham. Abraham had been working through these things in his heart. I propose that he was there to talk to Sarah. He specifically said, where's Sarah? Where's she at? And he said, she's in the tent. And he basically said, just let her know this. The Lord said the exact same thing that he had told Abraham three or four chapters before. And then all of a sudden, the Lord knew the thoughts of Sarah. Sarah was having a dialogue in her head. The Bible says that she laughed within herself. For the record, when God gives you a word and you laugh at it, that's not faith. That's not belief. It was almost sarcastic, in fact. It was almost like, psh, psh, <laughs> me have a kid, psh. Y'all ever seen that video, that YouTube guy that walks around? What's his name? Ed Bassmaster, psh. It's kind of what she did to the Lord. Not a good thing to do to the Lord. She's having this conversation in her head, and what's happening in her head is a conversation not of faith. It's a conversation that doesn't align with the things of God. It doesn't align with the Word of God. Um, And I propose to you that the Lord came to get the thinking right, because until you get the thinking right, God can't move in certain areas of your life. Let me just read this in Proverbs chapter 16. And again, we've all been here. We've all been there where we know we're not thinking the way God thinks about a certain situation. Proverbs 16, 3 says this, says, roll your works upon the Lord, commit, trust them wholly to him. Then he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. This is the amplified version I'm reading, in case yours doesn't read exactly like this. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. I propose that your life's not going to succeed the way it's supposed to succeed. Things aren't going to happen the way that God's ordained them to happen until you start thinking in line with his will. And so the conversations that are going on in your head, don't laugh at the word of the Lord. Don't get, don't, there's no doubt in the area of, of what's going on in your head. And so I, I want to talk to you just a little bit about that. Um, how serious of an issue is wrong thinking? How serious, how significant, how impactful are wrong conversations being replayed in your head? I was, I'm one of those guys, I don't know if anybody else is in here, but like every now and then just for the fun of it in my head, I act like I'm not a Christian. Anybody else do that? You know what I'm talking about? It's like somebody does something to you and then you just replay like what you would have done if Jesus wasn't there. 
we were, me and Leanne were driving down the road uh, the other day, and I, I don't know if I cut a guy off or what. We were in Dallas, and I mean, this guy pulled up beside us, rolled down his window, had my whole family in the car, and he said a lot of words that he should not have said, which equated to me having a lot of thoughts that I should not have had. <laughs> so for just a minute, I just envisioned, like, ooh, I could pull him over right now. I could pull him over right now. I'm like, That's the thoughts I'm talking about. That's the conversations I'm talking about. But seriously, uh, all jokes aside, how, ser- how serious of a deal is this? How significant are these conversations that are happening in our head? How much do they dictate what's going on in our life? Obviously, you can see that God showed up to address the conversations that were going on in Sarah's mind. He had a plan for their life, and the thoughts and the conversations that were going on up here didn't match what he wanted to do out here. Let me read a couple more scriptures. In 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. I believe that's happening tonight. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And here's how we handle these thoughts. Take every thought captive. Take every thought captive to obey, obey Christ. Let me read this in the New Living Translations. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not as worldly weapons, not, or not worldly weapons, but to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. He's addressing these conversations that are happening in our head. The strongholds of human reasoning, and we destroy false arguments. We destroy every product, or, or, sorry, every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts, and we teach them to obey Christ. I propose to you tonight that one of our biggest problems is oftentimes we treat thoughts that are contrary to God's plan for our life, we treat them as unwelcome guests instead of treating them as rebellious intruders. You ever invited someone over to your house and a few minutes after they got there, you're like, yeah, we shouldn't have done this. (laughs) This was a mistake. And then it's like you're at a family reunion or a family gathering and, you know, someone needed an extra place to stay and you're like, hey, we got an extra room. And about five minutes later, like, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. They're an unwelcome guest. They're there. It's like they just kind of get on your nerves. They got a habit. They're just rude. They're loud. They're something that just irritates you. And these unwelcome guests, we don't say, you know what? Get out. <laughs> you know what? What do we do? We just put up with it. We say it'll eventually, it'll eventually end. It'll eventually go, they'll eventually go away. They can't stay here forever. I don't know if you've ever asked, told someone, hey, you can live with us for a while. And a while turned into their life. But now, you, you, unwelcome guests, you, you're not super aggressive with them. You're just kind of like, you just put up with it, right? You just learn to bite your tongue. You just learn to sit there and you just, you just deal with it. Like, I kind of got myself into this mess. You just deal with it. And unfortunately, I think oftentimes that's how we treat thoughts that the enemy places in our mind. Like an unwelcome guest. We just put up with it. We just sit there and let that movie keep playing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And yet the scripture says, no, 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 those thoughts that are in there, they're not unwelcome guests. Those conversations that you're having, those are not, that's not just an unwelcome guest having that conversation. It's a rebellious intruder. We don't want unwelcome guests in our house, but I can tell you we want home invaders more not in our house. (laughs) 
Unwelcome guests, we don't really look at them as they're there to destroy anything or rip our lives apart or anything like that. But a home invader, someone kicks in the door with guns and a mask, we immediately know, I need you out of my house and I need you out of my house right now. The problem is we're not treating thoughts contrary to the word of God like that. We just sit there and put up with it over and over and over and over again as if they'll just go away. Anybody else's just went away one day and went, you know what, it's the craziest thing. I just stopped thinking negative. It's crazy. It's just crazy as all can be. They don't leave. They don't leave because they're not guests, they're intruders. These people having these conversations, these conversations going on in your head, they're not there to just distract, they're not there just to uh, irritate you. They are actually there to destroy you. They are there to take up residence and affect everything you do for the rest of your life. Only you and the Lord knows what those things are for you. What are the conversations that you're allowing to stay in that place and and have a continued voice in your mind and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't belong here. You don't get to stay here. I'm going to take a hold of that. I'm going to take that thought captive. I'm going to force that thought to obey Christ. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but you you can't get rid of a bad thought with a good thought. You ever, you ever tried that? I'm just going to think good. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't, I'm just never going to think about that ever again. Like, yeah. You don't, your thoughts don't have the power that your words do. Not even close. The Lord didn't think, let there be light. He said. We didn't think, I want to go to heaven. He said, believe in your heart and Confess. confess. Something happens when we open our mouth. And it's about time we start stop treating these thoughts that are not in line with the word of God. Like the rebellious intruders that they are and we say, hey, you don't have a place there. And open up our mouth and call those things that be not as though they were. When that thought comes in and says, you'll always be addicted to porn, you're just a man. Open up your mouth and say, no, I will not. No, I will not. Well, I can't believe you just said porn in church. I can't believe it's taken this long for pastors to say porn in church. We might have a little more freedom and wholeness in the family if we'd have started doing this 30, 40 years ago. We might not have bills going before the house that are saying, let's just change what a male and a female is. That'll, that'll fix everything. Oh, man, I almost got, I'm focused and focused on what I'm saying right here. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious about this, though. This, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Eventually, what's, the conversations that are going on on the inside of you, if you don't take them captive and make them obey Christ, eventually what's on the inside will manifest itself on the outside. If we don't look at it for what it is, it's an invasive intruder trying to keep you from living the life that God's called you to live. I, I can't say how many times I've, I've dealt with something for a long time until finally I realized I've just been sitting there just, just, it's like a hamster wheel and it's just over and over and over again. And I realized finally, I'm like, oh my gosh, this has literally stole hours, days, weeks, months of my life. It stole my joy. It stole all these things until I finally go, oh, wait a minute, I have authority over this. I have the authority that Jesus has given me. He's my champion. 
And so you have to learn to open your mouth and when that, when that conversation's going on and you know it's not a conversation from God, you know it's birthplace, you have to open your mouth and say, wait a minute, no, that, I'm actually not going to be afraid of that anymore. When you send your kids off to school and that fear tries to creep up and the videos start to play in your mind of all the things that you've seen in the news and all those fear, all those things that maybe even happened to you and it's like the enemy's trying to convince you, well, they happened to you, they'll probably happen to them. It's somebody having a conversation in your mind and they don't deserve the mic. You have to take the mic back and say something opposite. So you know, actually this is not going to happen. Oh, you think you're just gonna have it just because you say it? Well, that, there's a scripture for that. You will have whatever you think no whatever you say whatever you say the problem is we've been having what we think because we're not because we're not opening up our mouth and saying these thoughts these thoughts of negativity these thoughts that are discouraging thoughts these thoughts of fear these thoughts of lack these conversations that are happening it's time that we see them for what they are you are an invader you are an intruder you don't get to stay here be aggressive in your approach. This, these voices, how do you know if this is the enemy? How do you know if these voices in your head, it's pretty simple, there's usually only three, one of three voices. It's either you, the enemy, or the Lord. It's usually one of the three. How do you know if it's the, how do you know if it's the enemy? And the, the other two we're gonna get to in just a second. How do you know if it's the enemy? One of the number one ways the enemy tries to, one of the number one things the enemy says when he has the mic is he tries to get you to interpret your performance as your identity. He tries to equate your performance to your identity. Why? Why does he constantly try to put your performance in front of you? Because if he can get you to put your performance, or if he can get you to equate your performance as your identity, you know you. You know you. And you know you don't deserve what the scriptures say you can have apart from Jesus. But if he can get you to stand back in that place of, no, your identity is what you do. Your identity is how you behave. Your identity is in your performance. Immediately, the faith to believe that you deserve all the things that the scripture says you can have is gone. If he can get you to interpret your behavior as your identity, he can steal your faith. Why? Because I know me. We know us. We know we don't deserve. That's why we have to regularly keep, the Bible says, keep our eye, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If you want to get to the finish line, keep looking unto Jesus. If, that, if that's what we're supposed to do according to Hebrews, what does the enemy want you to do? Look unto you. Look unto what you did five years ago. Look unto what you keep looking at on the computer. Look under your performance. Look under you. Look under you. Why? Because as soon as I look at me, I no longer have the faith to believe what this Bible says I have authority over. He'll try to interpret, get you to interpret your performance as your identity. He'll try to get you to question God. Just question. The enemy's not going to show up in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork and be like, ah, God's not real. Yeah. He doesn't do that. <laughs> he, that's not how he works. He's... He, <laughs> Sorry, I just got to say what I heard. He, he's a pervert. He perverts things. So he takes something that's pretty good and he just twists it a little bit. He can't create. He doesn't have creative power, so he has twisting power. You don't, you don't think he meant that, do you? 
Surely God wouldn't, I mean, what, I mean oh, you're going to go lay hands on that person? You feel like the Lord told you to go lay hands on that person? What are you going to do if it didn't work? What if they yell at you? Are you going to be embarrassed? And he just pokes at things. He just tries to get you to question, question, question the goodness of God, question the love of God, question the word of God, question the power of God. So what's the most fascinating thing about the Hebrew children, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that were thrown in the fire? You can see the purity of their faith when they said, we know God can and we know he will, which means they didn't question his power and they didn't question his love. But the enemy wants to get you to question those things. Can God do that? Can he do that? Or does he love you enough to do that? Oftentimes, if it's the enemy, it comes with fear, anxiety, and worry. It just gets you to think over and over and over. And you'll know when you're letting those conversations happen over and over again. Is there any fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. What are the, what are the fruits of the conversations that you're allowing in your head? If the fruits, if, if the conversation is not producing those fruits, it's not from him. Okay. I, I stay there longer than I went, meant to, because I want to address something here. And it's, I, I've, I wrestled with this all last night. I'm like, Lord, these are two completely different messages. I'm literally talking about learning to know what's going on on the inside of your head. And, but I, I want to, I want to say something and it's not going to go over well when I say it. Um, you're going to have a thousand different religious cows just scream in your ear when I say what I'm about to say. But I'm right. So start with that. And I'm right because I have a scripture. <laughs> Let me just say this. I think some of us, we're, the concept of was this the God or the devil, that's a little easier to discern. I think if we're all being honest, the thing we want to know is when is it us and when is it God? Was that just me thinking that or was that God? Was that just, did I just happen to see that over there? Or did I just happen to, was I thinking that? Was I dreaming that? How many of you guys have vivid, vivid dreams? How many of you guys know that most people that have vivid, vivid dreams are vivid, vivid prophets? Everybody's like, no, I didn't raise my hand. No, that was not me. I, <laughs> I retract, I retract that hand raise. <laughs> and what does the enemy do? If you're a dreamer and you've worked on this, when someone says, oh, that might be from the Lord. That's not from, that was, that's probably just me. That's probably just me. It's crazy. It's too weird. It's too wild, too crazy. That's one of the things I think that we work on. And I think we wrestle with this desire. We want to hear God. Most of you, if you're in this room, you want to hear God. You really want to hear God. But this is the thing I need you to know, and you're not going to like it. God's not going to make it easy for you to hear him. God's not going to make it easy for you to hear him. I'd love to tell you that otherwise. I'd love you to say, you know what? He loves you so much. He, and this is, this is just a lie. Oh, he loves you so much. This is going to be easy. And he'll twist verses like, my sheep know my voice. So that when you are ever confused and like, man, I don't even know if I'm hearing God or not. All of a sudden what happens? Guilt, shame, and condemnation. Why can't I hear God? Let me tell you why it's not, God's not going to make it easy for you to hear him. Because sometimes we want to hear him so we'll know what to do. We just want to hear him so we'll know what to do. When he says, I, I'm less concerned with you doing something, I want you just to want to be close to me. And the truth of the matter is, if he spoke and told us what to do, we'd never talk to him again. It's the nature of the old covenant. What did the children of Israel say? Moses, we, 
We know God's real. We just don't want to get to know him. So if you could just go up on the mountain and just tell us what he said, because we don't want to take the time to get to know him. You just tell us what he said and we'll do it. I, um, I got pretty convicted getting ready for this message. I, um, my job's changed a lot with planning another church, and you've got Cody, the campus pastor here, who's doing a phenomenal job, and Keith and Lubbock, and my role has changed a little bit, and I find myself spending most of my week building for the future and building infrastructure. I mean, one church is, you don't have to have a lot of infrastructure and things like that for, for one campus, and when you start doing multiple campuses and, plan, and plans to plant more, you've got to get systems, and there's just a lot of things that my job has changed, and so... Um, I, I spend a lot of my week doing just different work than I've been used to doing in a lot of ways. And so when it's my, it was my turn to preach this week. And so uh, come Friday, I dropped the kids off. Leanna was out of town at volleyball with our oldest. And I had the two, the two little ones. And so I got them off to school. And I was going to spend all day Friday in the, you know, just seeking the Lord. I knew about this message a month ago, about a month ago. Well, I dropped him off at school, got to the office around 8, shut my door, put some worship on, began to worship, began to pray. And I really began to press in. And um, I, wa- I, so, I so wanted to know what I was supposed to preach this weekend. I wanted to get in the presence of God. I wanted an encounter with God so I would, it would confirm that I'm on the right track so that I would, I would say what I was supposed to say today, that I'd do what I was supposed to do today. And Friday, it didn't strike me as, as strong as it did Saturday, but Saturday, the Lord said, when's the last time you pray? Because I did this for all day Friday, and then I did the same thing a lot on Saturday. And all of a sudden, the Lord just spoke to me, and he said, when's the last time you pressed in this hard but didn't have a message to preach? And it just dawned on me that sometimes we want to encounter God, and we want to hear God, not just because we want to be with him, but because we want to know what to do. We only want to know what to do. Or if he just gave us everything that we were supposed to do, we would stop pursuing him. And the Lord knows, you know what? The minute you stop pursuing me, it's over. So I'm not going to make it easy for you to hear me. I'm not even going to make it easy for you to know certain things about me. I need you to keep coming back. I need you to keep coming back. This is what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. It says, it is God's privilege to conceal things. It's the king's privilege to discover. God's less concerned with you hearing him and more concerned with you pursuing him. And here I am preaching a message about hearing God and the voice of your I'm like, but I I need you to know the truth because I wish someone would have told me this when I was young. Because you know what I've I've done multiple times? I've been discouraged because I... I, didn't, I just couldn't get a word from God as to what I was supposed to do. I couldn't get a word from God about this. I couldn't get a word from, and I, I just felt like I needed a word from God. And the whole time the Lord was like, hey, I, we'll, we'll figure it out. I need you to come to me just because you want to be with me. How do we know this is true? Go back and think about, I, I do this all the time, so you're probably tired of me doing this. Go back to the garden. What was the one thing the Lord said you don't need? To know. What was the one tree? One tree, don't touch this, one tree. It was the know, the knowledge, the knowing of good and evil. He said, 
this is not what you were created for, to live from knowing. And yet we just, we, oh, I got to know, I got to hear. Hear my heart. You, you will hear God. You should want to hear God. That is a big part of it. But a bigger question is, why do you want to hear God? And when's the last time that you woke up when things weren't? <laughs> when's the last time that when things were hitting the fan, when things weren't hitting the fan, and you woke up just hungry, I have to get around the Lord. What for? I just want to be with him. Not because you needed an answer to a question. Not because you wanted to know what you were called to do. Not because you needed a healing. Not because you needed a miracle. You just wanted to be with him. That's how we were created. That's how we were designed. And so I, I, you, need, you need to know this. So if, if the Lord's not answering certain things for you, don't get discouraged. Don't get distracted. We see in Scripture, when the Lord needs to be heard, he gets heard. He gets heard. When Jesus was baptized, the Bible says he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and a voice from the heaven cried out, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The world needed to know this is his son. Jesus needed to hear that he was pleased. Even Jesus is fueled by the affirmation of his father. Think about that. It's going into ministry. What was the one thing he needed to hear from his father? Well done. You're awesome. I love you. I'm already pleased. I haven't done anything yet. Yeah, I know. I'm already pleased. Why are you pleased? Because of the baptism. What the baptism represented. How do I know God's pleased with me? You've been saved? He's, he's pleased. Yeah, but I hadn't done much. I, you'll get there. He's pleased. I want you to hear God. I want to hear God. I want to know when it's him. I want to know when it's me. I want to know when it's the enemy. If it's the enemy, I want to take that thought captive. I want to get it out. I want to fulfill the call of God in my life. But I don't just want to hear God. I don't want to press in to hear God. I don't want to study about how to hear the voice of God just so I'll know what to do. I'll know what to do if I just get around him enough. You ever notice your kids, there's certain things you didn't teach them and yet they just do? It's just because they're in your house all the time. We might be surprised how much we heard the Lord if our pursuit wasn't to hear the Lord, if it was just to be with Him. I believe with all of my heart, if you're in this room tonight, you want to you know the Lord. And I want to do the best that I know how to do in preparing you to get to that place where you can hear Him. I want you to hear Him. I want you to know Him. But more than that, I want you to want to be with Him. He wants you to want to be with Him. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.